0: Welcome back to On Air, I'm Alex, and I'm not with Dan just yet, because he's in somewhere a little remote. This town or village called Gothenburg. I don't know, I think we've spoken about it from time to time. It screams of a place of no Wi-Fi, no cell signal. Okay, admittedly, I am joking, but I'm not joking about the fact that he isn't around for the beginning of this podcast, because he is actually somewhere very remote. He's not in Gothenburg, but he is in East Africa. And he's not able to be here at the beginning of the episode, but he will be here shortly so that we can take a deep dive in today's episode. But before we do that, I'm going to give you a roundup of where we are in terms of Dubai Air Show, because this week in aviation, the global sector is gathering in the desert in Dubai for what is a big week of aviation business and when you hear the words air show you might imagine an air display of aircraft you know and light aircraft performing stunts and loop the loops and so on that isn't typically what happens at these kind of air shows. Dubai air show, Paris air show, Farnborough air show and so on are examples of big airline trade events where basically airlines are in the business to place big aircraft orders and those aircraft orders position the airlines for growth. They secure their slots for the all-important deliveries that they need over the next 5, 10, 15 years. And they're about making these loud announcements about how they are positioning themselves for the next chapter of air travel and to meet the continuing growing demand. So let me just set the scene for you. At Dubai, you have many airlines from around the world gathering at Dubai World Central, which is the home of Dubai Air Show, and you have different chalets. So you have chalets of Airbus, chalets of Boeing, Embraer, a handful of airlines, and so on. And these executives will have been negotiating with the manufacturers, sales teams, in order to get the best possible deals. As they say, if we are looking to grow as an airline, How are we going to do that? Who's going to give us the best deal in terms of what we need? So if I am a loyal Boeing customer, maybe Airbus are able to do something to make me switch. Maybe I'm going to be able to benefit from a better maintenance package, something that's more generous if I order 10 A350s instead of 10 777X jets. But maybe because I'm a Boeing loyalist as an airline, maybe Boeing is where I should stick around because they're going to cut the price significantly because they want me to stay loyal and stay dedicated to them as a manufacturer. And this is this is what we see at Dubai and at Paris and at Farnborough and at all these air shows where airlines mean business. Now I'm talking to you in a year where airlines have never been so profitable. The financial results have been tremendous Airlines quite literally in many cases have never made so much money than they have this year. Just last week, shortly after we came off air, Michael O'Leary, the CEO of Ryanair, had publicly said that they had made so much money this year so far that they didn't quite know what to do with it. And that's telling you something, because just a few years ago, you don't need me to remind you as to exactly what was going on globally and how that impacted the aviation sector. So we are in a very, very, very healthy position financially as an industry. And so with that, let me quickly take you through what we have seen so far at Dubai Airshow with a small note that I'm recording this. ...on Tuesday evening. So anything that has been announced after Tuesday evening... ...and it's unlikely there's going to be too much. Now that's something that uh, I could be very wrong about... ...but I'm hearing that the bulk of the orders uh, are secured... ...and that is sometimes typical in an air show. Days one and two are the most important. Nevertheless, never say never. We could have some surprises on the way. But as of now, the blockbuster order has been from Emirates... ...who of course are based in Dubai. And Emirates have placed a huge aircraft order... For 90 more Boeing 777X aircraft. That includes 55 of the Dash 9 variant. And 35 of the Dash 8 variant. This new order increases Emirates total backlog. Of the 777X to 205. Because they already have a significant order. For Boeing 777X jets. Now if you're wondering. Well if they are waiting for 205. When do they order this? And where are these aircraft? That's exactly what many of the execs at Emirates have been wondering for a while because the 777X is late, very late. In fact, when it eventually enters service, which is now set for 2025, it will be over five years late. And that's because Boeing have had tremendous issues with certification, with supply chain and production delays affecting all aircraft, but specifically on that 777X. If I rewind 10 years, it was 10 years ago, almost to the day, that Emirates had initially ordered the 777X, outlining it as the next big flagship, the Boeing aircraft that will take them through to tremendous levels of growth. 10 years later, the aircraft, of course, nowhere to be seen. I mean... Yes, the test aircraft, the prototype, the test aircraft that they uh, fly around the world, and you can you can uh, have a little visit if you go to any of these air shows. That's definitely here, but an aircraft ready to enter commercial service we're still quite away from that boeing tell us now airbus have their own theories as to how on earth boeing have been able to keep their airline customers happy with such delays airbus allege that there is some serious financial compensation happening there in order to keep the airline customers quiet but this is aviation and celavi this is something that is is common practice in the industry so with emirates having this Sizable 777X order. They've also ordered more 787 jets and that backlog has now risen to 35. So Emirates have used the air show already to announce this blockbuster order and to position themselves for further growth because it quite literally means they'll be receiving new planes way into the 2030s and so on. Because when you order an aircraft, as we saw 10 years ago, It's not always guaranteed that A, it's going to be on time, or B, it's going to come at the right time. I mean, just imagine the aircraft that were ordered and set to arrive in the great year of 2020. We know what happened then. Let's look at the other areas of the air show and the announcements we've had so far. Fly Dubai, the sister of Emirates, part of the same group, they have splashed the cash on some 787 Dreamliners. Now, they are typically a low-cost short-haul carrier, now making their first venture into the long-haul market with these Dreamliners. So it means that if Emirates perhaps are priced a little higher on a certain route out of Dubai, you could very, very, very soon have an option to go with Fly Dubai, same company, low affairs, and a more no-frills experience. Elsewhere, the Show hasn't been too busy in terms of orders. Okay, Egypt Air have ordered 10 A350 900s, Air Baltic have topped up their order of A220s, Royal Jordanian have taken four more 787s, Royal Air Morocco have taken another two, But we were expecting some blockbuster orders from the likes of Turkish Airlines, who are set to order over 300 aircraft as the Turkish government know uh, that their priority and that they want to realise is to grow Turkish Airlines into becoming one of the largest airline competitors to the Gulf carriers and to the region. Uh, We haven't had anything yet. There's, there's nothing from the Turkish Airlines order yet. Now, that's not to say that it, something will be announced uh, in, in the next couple of days or even weeks. Airlines don't need to wait for air shows in order to announce their aircraft orders. We were also expecting something from Riyadh Air. Riyadh Air, we spoke to Tony Douglas, didn't we, last week on air. We know that they are ready and in the market to place a short haul single aisle jet order so this is probably something from the 737 family or the a320 again nothing yet now what does that suggest probably nothing much more than the fact that they are still fine-tuning these agreements as is common i have been at aircraft jet order announcements where they have gathered us in a room for example at airbus and we're all seated and we're waiting for the announcement and we're waiting for the execs to come from the back room to the uh, seating area of the press conference and to announce what they have to announce. And at the last minute, after waiting 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, somebody will come in and say, guys, this uh, this press conference is cancelled because they are still figuring out the details. It's down to the minute. They were literally in the room next door to us, the sales teams of the airline and the manufacturer, fine-tuning and going over every single word of that contract. Somebody found something... They were not ready to announce this is quite literally how it works and that's why the pace and the adrenaline at air shows is always very exciting because it literally comes down to the minute and that's probably why we haven't seen anything from those that we expected to see unless of course you're listening to this later than wednesday and turkish airlines have announced the blockbuster order then great it's something that is set to come we know it's set to be over 300 aircraft airbus is tipped to win it but nothing just yet what the air show has also done is bring to the surface the weak spots. For example, Boeing's weak spot in the fact that it's taking years, years to bring out that larger 777X is something that is pushing airlines away. Philippine Airlines, EVA of Taiwan, each recently purchasing A350s, instead of just waiting for the 777X to replace their existing 777s, something that Boeing would, would really bet their business model on, If I'm offering you an older aircraft and now I have a newer generation of it, you should naturally, as my customer, and I hope, replace your older aircraft with my newer version. That's not always the case if the other manufacturer can lure them away and offer them something attractive and say, you don't need to wait six, seven, eight years. Just look at Emirates waiting 10 years. We can give you a slot in three years. How about that? And that's an insight into the negotiations of this side of the aviation world, the secret side of aircraft orders, and then the blockbuster announcements when the world gathers at these big air shows like everyone is doing in Dubai this week. Now, with that roundup complete, I am joined by Dan, so let's get to it. In today's episode, we're actually going to take a deeper dive into air travel, and the US, because this is not only such a huge topic with so many different areas to explore, be it with personal travels uh, to... Red, white and blue, US, baby. <laughs> but also the whole other side, as Dan is already starting <laughs> to... Hard. Like, given that my podcast host, Dan, I'm sure you've you've heard of him from time to time in some episodes. He's, uh, he's very much here and he is... <laughs> When you cut him open, half red, white, blue, and yes. the other half is like like a light, light blue bl- together. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: right. Horrible right. color combo, all it's these like, five colors together. It's like <laughs> Ikea meets Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to remind you that the British colors are the same colors. I just have to say, before we get into the U.S., I have a story which... Well, it literally just happened to me. I was out to dinner and Oscar and I are sitting there eating. The There's like a group of three, probably people in their like late 50s next to us. And as they're leaving, they go, are you Dutch? <laughs> I was like, no. Are you? <laughs> no. It's because you're tall. <laughs> yeah, right I know. Twole. I know. But the, the thing that reminded me of you is that then we started talking to them. So there were two women and a man. And I noticed that the woman was one of those rare women that I personally am obsessed with. I, I don't know what it is. I feel like it's some sort of masculine energy where you just feel like this is a B A B, boss ass, bad word. <laughs> and I thought of you because there's no one else I know who is so obsessed with. Amazing women like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you mean, okay, can we have some context, please? Because I swear half of the things you you say have zero context. And then the listener would be saying like, so Alex likes B A bs So basically the context here is Dan regularly takes the P out of my dedication to reading about... B A B takes the P, <laughs> right? Reading about consuming content from very strong female leaders of history, like and of present, like Michelle Obama, like the Oprah Winfrey, fascinating Colin life Harris. of Hillary Clinton, like the respect for. Kamala Harris, which unfortunately has faded a lot since she actually went into this Oh others. my That's, God! Yeah, Dude. no, she's yeah, she's like a different, she's a bit of a different person now. I, I mean, know. Before, her I campaign, know. her speeches were on point. She was absolutely, she was really, really an effective communicator prior. To being chosen by Biden, yeah. literally the day she made that phone call of "We did it, we did it,
1: Joe." <laughs> That's when it ended. I've been telling you for years you have to watch Veep. I assume you haven't done it yet, but I we're still gonna haven't. we're gonna have some listeners who have watched Veep, yeah. an incredible show, and Kamala Harris has approached Julia Louis-Dreyfus who plays the vice president in this series and said you have no idea how accurate this show is and the whole show is about how suffocating it is to be vice president <laughs> yeah <Wow. laughs> so it's it's just it's really fascinating anyway this woman that I met even so she left like after 2 minutes of talking Oscar and I were talking about her for the next 30 minutes, how we're in love with her, how amazing she was. Just like there's something about any person that you can tell when they just lead the group. Like the other man and the woman were standing behind her like her
0: children. (laughs) Oh, wow. So she was giving you what today's kids are calling main character energy. A
1: thousand percent. Main character Uh, in the the biggest movie
0: of the year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was my little side note. Have you met any other people like that this week? I
0: don't know about this week. Okay, for example, I think I told you this before. I had had lunch and spoken with and spent some time with, and I need to, uh, I always muddle up her name as her first name and last name because it, it sounds correct both ways. But it's Santa Marin, isn't it? Not Marin Santa. So it's oh, Santa wait. Marin.
1: Well, who is yeah. that? I recognize the name. Am I going to be stupid for not knowing You will be
0: because of where you're from. Yeah, I mean, it's a neighbour. What? The Finnish Prime Minister? Correct. (gasps) Yes. Yeah. So, I saw her deliver an amazing speech on aviation and the future of aviation and sustainability and climate change and so on at the UN for Aviation ICAO in Montreal in 2019. Hmm. And... After we got talking and blah blah blah, we sat down. We we were eating. We were so we we, we spoke, and I was just highly highly impressed by this effective, very young female transport yeah. minister at the time. And she didn't actually tell me anything about her prospects for you know the future and so on, other than that she was you know really committed to these to modernising aviation, to moving ahead, to simply admitting that aviation is responsible for two percent of total global co2 emissions is not enough simply saying we have to do more is not enough simply you know she she was she was really good yeah and she spoke so clearly and let me tell you dan when you are in these long general assemblies at places like the un and so on oh my god the quality of the speeches some of them you just you just can't you think this is your moment at the un and that's what you choose to deliver some of them are like you know this is before chat gpt was existed (laughs) but it's as if it's been around for a while and we didn't know about it but the people at at these places did because some of them are droning on and on so you get to like 2 p.m and half the chamber is asleep you know, with that country in front of them, the country name in front of them. She comes on, is a, a breath of fresh air, you know, delivers this amazing speech. I had to speak with her after. I wrote about her shortly after. I kid you not, the end of that year, she's prime minister. And wow. I was like, Whoa. She amazing. is now prime minister. Didn't surprise me at all. Um, I know you loved her because we
1: also love Air, both of us. We, we do love fin- yeah, Finair. So I love long time. Finair. I was just so saying cool, yeah. the other day how isn't it amazing when you board Finnair? I love airlines yeah. that don't use a, like a British or American accent if they're not from those countries in their announcements. Yeah. And their announcements are automated it's on the A350. So yeah, it's this and man who goes, "Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Finnair."
0: And I'm just like, "This is really amazing." <laughs> no, 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 you're 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 so right. It's really good, and I like the fact that they're holding on to that. Why should everything be delivered in a in a British accent or an American accent? We <laughs> are going to start talking about the U.S. This is the land of the we... politics, <laughs> the land of the free, and the people
1: who suffer when they fly. So. Let's move into our main topic of today, <laughs> What are you? Why are you talking shit about the 757
0: at the first chance you get? <laughs> I'm not talking shit about the 757 at the first chance I get. I respect that as a marvel of, of Boeing engineering beauty and it yeah. is stunning. Don't get me wrong, it's also ridiculously old and I wouldn't choose to fly <laughs> on it anywhere now. You know, I respect it seeing it from the outside, but if I had a choice, I, I wouldn't actively be flying that if I could choose for others. Other I, than uh, the novelty of it. Yeah, but, you know, I the, like it was the 757.
1: And... You know which plane I... Actually, the irony is, in my opinion, the most boring plane in existence. It's a toss-up between the A330, but the 767, I see it and I'm just like, you're so vanilla. On board, especially in economy, it's one of the best planes you can
0: fly because it's, it's a two-three-two 3 2 layout. Crazy good. Did you, did you fly a lot on the 767 growing up or not?
1: A lot. I still do because it's all over the U.S. U.S. Airlines, mm. well, American doesn't fly it anymore, but <laughs> United and
0: Delta are big fans. So I flew the 767 a lot growing up on the British Airways route from London to Larnaca and mm. Cyprus because that's the that that's the aircraft they had on the route. And it was always a unique BA experience to have this kind of wide body I mean it's a wide body categorically, but it always felt wide body ish because you're on this kind of mid-haul route. And they didn't have a long-haul business class on those aircraft. Yeah. On some they did. And I remember being eight years old and tracking the registrations to see on what days Larnaca would receive the 767s with the long-haul cabin rather than the short-haul cabin. Because the <laughs> screens would be on the back of the long-haul cabin seats, but not on the short-haul cabin. They'd be overhead and mm. so on and so on. And BA continued to fly them until they were about, I mean, I flew it the, the last 30. year, Twenty
1: six 2015 or 2016. Yeah. I I flew it and I remember it was just London to Edinburgh. The cabin was like, this is really Retro. a throwback. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's yeah. crazy because nowadays when you board a well, especially a United 767, look at me mm. coming to say something good about a US airline immediately. Their yeah. cabins are so modern and nice on the 767 that yeah, like the cabin walls look a bit a bit old. Yeah. But it really maximizes the good sides of the 767 it's just that i feel from the outside it's it's not bad it's it just
0: feels so boring i don't know why british airways the engines on their 767s were rolls-royce rb 211s absolutely categorically one of the most powerful jet engines in in that period of time that that had ever existed and boy, did you know it when you were spooling up for takeoff. I mean, it would be a rocket because they used these aircraft predominantly on, well, the short haul side of the fleet. They used it on the short haul routes. And as a result, the aircraft were light and you would rocket up into the sky and you would feel that pressure. And it was it was amazing. I loved the the 767 in those days. And then I started to think, oh, they're getting a bit old. And then, yeah. and then they retired. And then you stopped. Then I stopped, yeah.
1: <laughs> one thing to mention, one thing that is very interesting and different about US aviation, but the fact that US airlines, I can't say if it's they have the oldest fleets in the world on average, but they utilize planes for a long time. Delta especially has had a strategy, you know, going 5 years back. Of buying planes that are already 10, 15 years old, being retired by other airlines and continuing to fly them, even though they're less fuel efficient, they've managed to make great great profits just because they can buy the planes so cheaply. So in the US, ironically, you're often, at least historically, flying on much older planes, even though it's the home of Boeing, than you
0: would on most airlines around the world. But then on the whole, it's not really a U.S. thing. While on the whole, U.S. carriers do tend to hold onto their aircraft for much longer, it is also a legacy carrier thing. Because if you come back to Europe and you look at, for example, in the UK, British Airways' average fleet age is 13 years old. So it's, it's, it is, it is too old. But it's falling quickly because they've removed the 747s. They are uh, retiring the older 777s now. You know, they're taking on A350s all the time, 787-10s and so on and so on. So it is still definitely the consensus that on the whole, when you fly in America, you tend to be typically on older aircraft than you would had you been taking a flight in Europe and certainly versus Asia. I mean, the exception that we don't that that doesn't get much attention here is, of course, the fleet age of airlines on the continent of Africa, because there aren't too many large airlines. You know, you really have only a handful of large aircraft. Uh, sorry, of large airlines such as Ethiopian and Kenyan and so on. And actually, their fleets are very young. So yeah. it's uh, you know compared with the US, the US is very well <laughs> compared to, to the African fleet. So as a as a
1: non-American, why do you think that? flying in the US has such a bad reputation and why people why it's
0: this eternal joke even between us I I just think there's so many reasons because not only is there's just so much that is unlike everywhere else in the world I mean from from before when you're purchasing your ticket and you know the US are of course one of the first to start doing the whole economy basic economy thing it's like you know promising you on a legacy carrier that this is This is nothing. I mean, this is just the airfare. At the same time, it's so different because there's still this culture, from what I understand, with Southwest. You can still go and get a $14 ticket at the airport and they'll print it to you like a receipt. Two bags free, always. Always free changes. I mean, that's so incredible. That's so unlike everywhere else. So so it, it really is unique in that sense. And then, of course, you've got kind of the the fact that so much in the digital age goes viral that in my head when i when you when you say to me the words us aviation i think of shouting passengers i think of arguments at the desk i think of gate agents that are ready to offload anyone for anything without any clear reason i just think of all these viral videos that are constant i think of delays of passengers on aircraft and passengers kicking off and and maybe maybe I don't know, maybe they just louder. Okay. I don't know, because the true. same thing yeah. still happens in Europe. Um, and as you know, and then it's like the thing of, you know, even boarding an aircraft. Okay, most, most of the rest of the world, first class, business class, status, all together, and, <laughs> and economy. So you basically have priority yeah. queue and economy queue. And the U.S. is like, and now we're boarding <laughs> group number 14, which are <laughs> no, veterans that like served <laughs> Between the years of 66 and 82, excluding Vietnam, a yeah. position to go there in the first place. Please make your way to queue number five B. Yeah, and then go, you're in business what?
1: class, and it's like, no, we'll be boarding you soon. Wait, wait a minute. So it's there's like 50 pre boarding. I mean, not really, but there. Most airlines have like at least five different boarding groups. That's before mess. you get before you get to the regular passengers so that's a, mess. It's, that's a mess yeah it's it's really funny but we joke about flight u.s flight attendants being like barbara and suzanne and they're all yeah. angry that's the that's the stereotype which obviously like actually quite everywhere. rare yeah to, have, yeah, to yeah. have people that old but It still is what you remember. You remember those like cranky people, which in fact, I find at least as often on on European airlines. I think in the past, US airlines were actually a lot worse. Personally, I think that now that they've improved their seats a lot, there are some things that lag behind. They're very inconsistent. But I think the the former reputation lingers. And it's actually strengthened by all these videos and stories you see about people misbehaving. Yeah, And then the constant fear in the back of my mind is the cabin crew really has authority to throw you off the plane for anything. If you look at them the wrong way, oh, you're threatening a crew member, get off. Like that can genuinely happen, which of course they need that level of control in some situations but i feel like it's really intimidating and scary as a passenger especially since i review flights every time i'm going to record on a us airline i'm like "Mm, will the crew like this and i'm prepared with you know how i'm going to deal with it so you know, what I'll tell them to calm them down. I think, okay, my grandma is the ultimate angry New Yorker. If this was her, how would I talk to her? And then I try to, how would I calm her down? And then you think, how will you calm other people down? But it is really unpleasant to feel like there is no justice, ironically, in the US, when it comes to flying, in the sense that, you know, there was a story about A crazy story about a frequent flyer, uh, like highest status with United, was flying from Florida to the West Coast somewhere via Denver. So on the first flight, he got upgraded to first class because in the U.S. they upgrade a lot of people. And first class in the U.S. is, of course, business class everywhere else. So he got upgraded for free, but he didn't get a meal because they hadn't catered enough, which he thought was fine. He wasn't supposed to get one anyway, being an economy. So he happened to have a connection and crazily enough, it was the same plane and the same exact crew. So on the next flight, as he got off, he joked to the crew, someone in the crew, you know, I'll be waiting for that meal on the next flight. He said, as he left, he didn't mean it. In jest? Yeah. Yeah, He he gets on the next flight. The flight attendant goes, I gotcha. I gotcha, my friend. He still thinks she's joking. He goes to his economy seat on this flight. And she brings him a first-class meal. So what happens then? The U.S. doesn't even have pursers, which I think is a big problem. The purser is basically the the boss on board. Mm. But Mm. they always have an in-flight, like a cabin crew in charge. They call it a purser. It's not really the same. She reprimands her colleague for doing this. She threatens the passenger So this quote-unquote purser comes up to him as he's eating in economy, and she tells him that he should have known to refuse the meal that was given to him by another flight attendant, and that she's going to report him to the airline and get him banned. What? Get him banned for breaking the rules. Well, having a first United. You did mention it. This is United. He was a 1K, the highest frequent fire status.
0: Ah,
1: They don't care. Like her colleague did something amazing for a loyal passenger. And this is the reaction from another cranky person on board. So it's these type of stories that stay with me. And I think this is bizarre. And this would, I hope, not happen in any other region besides the U.S., possibly Canada? I I don't think so. Canadians are so nice. (laughs) I'm
0: going to stand up for the Canadians. I spend a lot of time in Montreal. They're very nice. I mean,
1: I just hear crazy stories about sometimes on Air Canada too, but this and another interesting thing is why is it that U.S. flights divert so often for quote-unquote unruly passengers? There must be, there's drunk people all over the world. So Including in Europe. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, maybe more so in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what is Uh, the difference? Okay, but before United. Okay, for me, if someone would ask me in a nutshell, you know, why do you have a slightly, you know, negative overview at the or rather not negative but not necessarily positive overview of the prospect of being a passenger on U.S. carriers and don't get me wrong. (laughs) What a wordy
1: way of saying you
0: don't want to fly U.S. airlines. Well look I know a lot of people that like you know they think that United is the best thing since sliced bread but the Mm. the only thing that I can have in my head is that it was just a few years ago they dragged a doctor Uh, off of the aircraft. Dr. Dow was dragged screaming from his seat because it was an overbooked flight and they needed to randomly take someone off so they took him and he said no I'm not going and they dragged him off he he received a a concussion he had a broken nose he had two missing teeth I mean there was the whole thing was videoed while he was was crying while they dragged this man who had been through a lot in his life we then learned much later dragged screaming from the aircraft oh because that's perfectly normal you know because yeah. of what because of, and, and then the ceo has to come out and apologize and you know this is this was barbaric it and, was. and and this was this was oh well you know it's united and you know <laughs> this was the good thing is i guess for Ms, for dr dow is that he later settled with united in a court case for an alleged lawsuit for an alleged 100 and 140 million dollars <gasps> Oh, yeah, that's, that's what that's worldwide fame gets you when you've been abused yep, by an and he, he, He immigrated to the US in 1975 He was a refugee from the Vietnam War He and his wife were both physicians They had five adult children Four of them were doctors, one attorney. I mean, they, they're quite literally the embodiment of the American dream, you know, of the of coming <laughs> yeah. to the land and yeah. Oh, and 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 united, you know, the first <laughs> the first word of the, the airline that unites country. people, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Drags them off. I understand it, it people might you know, oh, but it was an isolated case. Oh, but that still doesn't make any no. of it. Even slightly okay because and then it's of course, okay. Maybe much of what's wrong with U.S. air travel and what freaks me out about the concept of flying them for more than an hour is actually the other agencies that are associated with U.S. air travel, like the TSA, like like the airport ground handling companies and so on and so on. We have spoken in previous episodes about alliances. United is in Star Alliance. Dr. Dow and his family could have had boarding passes that were Singapore Airlines printed all over it. Yeah, can you imagine? Singapore Airlines ticket. And look what they've just done to a Singapore Airlines passenger Remind us, Singapore Airlines who (laughs) apologize for the inconvenience of boarding being delayed by five minutes, despite the fact that the plane is still going to arrive early. You know, it's a a culture shock. The fact that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Japanese airlines, ANA and JAL, they have a JV with their respective partners, American and United, meaning you can book a flight that looks like an ANA flight And end up on United where you get dragged off. It's so bizarre, but I just have to say about talking about the American dream. I feel like the new American dream, horribly enough, is being abused in some way. It being caught on social media and suddenly it's a viral thing, and people see it, so you get your settlement. Like. $140 $140 million, it's a horrible thing that happened. That's also so American. Like, where else would you get $140 million yeah. for something like that? It's its a bizarre amount of money. It, it,
0: it is. It is. At the same time, it was absolutely extreme. I mean, what the only thing they yeah. didn't do is is kill the poor guy. You know, know it was just I horrific. I mean, it, it they were on his way. He was being physically manhandled, slash attacked, slash injured and hurt from these so-called officials. So, But you're right, I mean, now uh, you know I I don't actually have TikTok at Mm. all I don't have the app on my phone anything I just think that in the social media age that we are in The last thing I need is another app that could potentially take me off into a a (laughs) stream of another 15 wasted minutes of pointless videos So I think the fastest way is to make sure I don't have it And I've never had it But I know, because the same rubbish appears on Instagram That because my (laughs) algorithm... Yeah, well because my algorithm has picked up on aviation, you know, show me an aviation video in the US that I that I concluded well, that was lovely. <laughs> yeah. that hasn't happened yet. Nope, hasn't happened. Instead, I see it and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. what well, was the woman who was coming off and like, he's not a real person. That's a lizard. <laughs> Something like yeah. this.
1: I, there's so many videos now. I almost and just she's scroll now past. famous. <laughs> oh there's god. always there's like a new famous aviation like scandal yeah. person yeah. all the time. What I what frustrates me is how fickle, especially Americans are. Everyone is like. This when it comes to airlines, where they're like, like after this United Dr. Dow thing, everyone is like, We are united in refusing to fly United ever again. We're gonna boycott them. How long does that last? Like until you search flights Five the next minutes. time, realize <laughs> yeah. they're the cheapest, and then like, oh well, I probably won't get dragged off. It it has no impact on their bottom line, which yeah, that this is how US airlines get away with what they get away with. People don't really have much choice but to fly with the three big carriers on international routes, especially, or if they're traveling for business, whatever it may be. So they can get away with literally the border of murder
0: and people will still fly with them. It's What do you think the best carrier is in the U.S.? (laughs) Episode
1: one, I mentioned that I think Delta is overrated. I said they're overrated and I still... I think that, okay, we're comparing airlines that have some very good strengths that you actually don't find in much of the world. And you have to give them credit for, for example, being amazing when it comes to compensation, not delay compensation that warrants an eight or 10 hour delay, which was very common this summer. But let's say your seat is, you know, the entertainment screen is broken. The Wi-Fi is down, something Mm -hmm. like that in flight. These airlines immediately, sometimes they offer it proactively, but if you write, you don't have to fight to get compensation. They'll respond quite quickly and you'll get some points or cash. Meanwhile, I wrote to BA months ago when I had a Club Europe flight where the middle seat was occupied in Club Europe. This is one of the main selling points of Club Europe. We were not notified beforehand. The crew completely ignored it. No acknowledgement that what is going on? Why is there someone in between us here? When this is the only thing that makes inter-European business class remotely different from economy. Who cares about... Someone had been allocated that middle seat. All the middle seats were taken. This was during one of the many breakdowns at Heathrow. But fine, I understand that you need to get people where they're going, but... Notify people, offer compensation. <laughs> this music just gives what, what is this like a club remix?
0: <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> so,
1: this just gives me traumatic memories from my recent bad experiences
0: with the... welcome aboard, Daniel. Welcome aboard. Your ne- business class seat is now economy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I for wish flying they had British said OS. that. No, but
1: the. <laughs> okay, turn that turn that traumatic music off. The the nerve of not proactively offering compensation in a situation yeah. like that, taking months to respond to a gold member in business class. I still haven't got a response requesting for compensation. In the US but Europe you would is better than this. But, but Europe is better for the delay part and yes, when you're absolutely. And delayed. And because downgrades. I, but this yeah, downgrades, is not yeah. technically a downgrade. Which, yeah. which makes it, well, I wish, I, I could probably argue it was a downgrade, but I, I don't
0: want to go to court over a one and a half hour flight. Well, there was a recently a student who took British Airways to court because she said she refused the vouchers that they were offering her once the airline cancelled her Tokyo trip that was scheduled for March 2020 because we know what happened. She could no longer enter Japan, so BA said, here, have a voucher. And <laughs> she said, no, because... I now will no longer be going to Tokyo. It was a certain thing at a certain time, and it was no longer now in her travel prospects. So she said, I'll have the money back, thank you. And they said, no, the policy is the voucher. (laughs) She's studying law. She went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. She took them to court and she won. And this was a a great little case study of why sometimes it's worth putting in in the effort. Um, Last September which followed a very turbulent summer everywhere because it was the big summer restart following two years of lockdowns and restrictions and so on. So summer 2022, where I met with Secretary Pete Buttigieg, the Transport Secretary of the US, I met with him in Canada, and he said to me how one of his key visions for his kind of mandate going forward, what he wanted to be able to deliver for the American people, was working on a framework that ensures that passengers are fed, watered, accommodated, receive that compensation when airlines are going to be cancelling or delaying flights yep. before And travel. fining them if they don't. And fining the airlines, yeah. And I, from what I can observe as an outsider a year later, that legislation is there. And the airlines have had to fall in line as a result of policy that he has pushed yes. through. So he, that's, that's pretty decent.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really impressed by what he's doing. He he did push them to, to do what is already required. But there's a separate suggestion to introduce similar to what we have in Europe with delay compensation. I, I don't know if it exists or if it's part of the package. Actually, aircraft change compensation, which... I am very much for. I cannot wait. I mean, I cannot wait for these foreign airlines. We know some notorious ones that go changing products last minute, suddenly being liable by U.S. law to pay compensation. And when it comes to U.S. airline or any airline owing the U.S. money, then they don't play around. So it, it will be interesting to see. I really hope that happens, which I think will make flying in the U.S., much better as a whole. We'll see airlines not putting so much pressure on their schedules, so they have more wiggle room, leading to less delays, less cancellations. That's amazing. We should go back to what you asked me about. What is the best U.S. airline? I genuinely think United has improved. American is clearly the one that lags behind yeah, uh, actually, there is a best U.S. airline. The problem is they're not big. We all know it's JetBlue. JetBlue is yeah. it shows what U.S. airlines can be. It's an airline that has but
0: don't you think edible it's food? Jet, Imagine JetBlue that. It's like has has tried to model itself. It's followed like a very European kind of style model. It feels international, even though it's not. Really, why why do you feel that it's European? I just think that. It's followed a model of like a hybrid European carrier, I would put JetBlue in the category of like what Monarch was years ago in hmm. Europe and in the UK. Decent-ish focus on premium, decent-ish focus on, on economy. I mean, JetBlue arguably much, much better, especially in recent years, but I just feel, or maybe I feel that they are more European because they're not flying around 30-year-old MD, yeah. whatever, <laughs> you know, and so in my head when I see them sporting around young a twenty I'm like, wow, they're so European, mm. they take from Airbus, which of course, you don't have to be a European character to take directly from Airbus. (laughs) But also, a lot of their aircraft are uh, manufactured and assembled in Alabama at the Airbus plant in Mobile. So maybe it's
1: the fact that, yeah, partly that they only have uh, narrow bodies, which is very different. And that feels like more of a European thing. I heard a quote from the head of catering at American Airlines. They just opened their first own catering facility in Dallas, which is one of their biggest hubs. So their SVP of in-flight and premium guest experience said the passengers in the U.S., and this just shows how sad it is when you lack options, given how isolated the U.S. is. It's not like Europe where passengers can easily be poached by Middle Eastern airlines or African airlines. Here, he says... Passengers don't care what they eat as long as the flight is on time. What a sad state of affairs when the only thing that matters is that the flight is on time. They don't care if they are served some gray radioactive sludge as long as the flight is not eight hours delayed because in the u.s that doesn't warrant compensation
0: <laughs> <There's It's fine. laughs> totally but there's there is an element of truth to what he is saying if he had been speaking for example about these one hour point to point domestic flights where of course who gives a whatever about what's being served if you are using it like you are using a bus to go from a to b within state across to the next state and so on He's absolutely right. If he's talking about U.S. air travel as a whole, which, of course, the U.S. is the world's second largest aviation market with international hopes to, you know, ultimately fly to almost every country on Earth, which, of course, they do not. But in a globalized world, they continue to expand to secondary cities. They continue to expand direct services to countries that were not previously linked up with the U.S., to, to make a statement like that yeah. would, be, would, would be pretty poor. Yeah.
1: You can be on a 12-hour flight and get something inedible. I just have to go back to JetBlue super quickly. Their founder, David Nealman, is quite an interesting guy. He is. He is he's a very rich businessman. I just, I, I'm just just reading now. He's part Brazilian. I had no idea. Oh, that makes yeah. sense because he founded Azul. Exactly. But, That's what I was about to say. Since you don't have TikTok, I'm going to assume you haven't seen these people. But I learned recently that there's this, I mean, I I get a lot of like cooking and sort of lifestyle videos that come up and there's this one family that's like, they almost live like... A life from 150 years ago, where they're in a farm, wearing very basic, old-fashioned clothes. Like the wife wears like a head rag. She's making homemade cheese, milking the cows by hand. It it's really bizarre, it's kind of like the Amish way of living. Yeah, though. it's sort of right. Amish. So what I just learned is that th- she, this family, has become very, very famous. She is the daughter of David Nealman, the founder of JetBlue. So okay. she's here. She's trying to make her life seem like she's poor. They're they're doing very basic things. They're making their own food. But in fact, her father is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's just, it's, it's this crazy irony that in one way, she's trying to come across as this like countryside woman. Her father is
0: a airline mogul. That's really interesting. The American I mean, dream. That, yeah, there you go. My, my favorite U.S. carrier, Dan is virgin america yeah
1: what year is it are we recording (laughs) this podcast six
0: years ago oh are they not around oh goodness are you joking (laughs) of course i'm joking (laughs) goodness me alaska airlines please yeah i thought virgin america when they were around were quite cool the novelty of the whole southwest not having yeah the novelty of this of southwest not having a hub and kind of moving around all day is is very clever, and and I'm always curious by that, and the fact that you you can just check in anything, you know, for free. I mean, that's that. And yet in <laughs> Europe, they're like you're 0.1 over, so it's time to get your wallet out. Yeah. Um, oh, it's... I have a tip. I have a tip. I don't want to forget it. When you are in a scenario where you are being told that the scales are showing you, so you've got a 20 kilo bag allowance, and the scales will show you you are 21 kilos or 22 kilos, and the agent. At the desk, will say to you, Oh, well, time to pay up because you're overweight. So we're going to charge you. The first thing you should do is take the bags off of the scales and put them onto other scales. Yes. And tip. then other scales. I kid you not. They will give you different readings almost always. So on one scale, it will, because these scales are old. And how often do we actually think that they are serviced to ensure that they are still accurate and so on? So you pick up the bag move over to another scale, put it down. This one says you're 19.8. <laughs> or know, it under. says you're 30. And then it's like, oh, are 30. Then you, you don't let them see, obviously, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but on the whole, this has worked in, in in my favor before a couple of times. When hmm. it said I'm overweight, I put it down. And then the other one, I mean, it's been as drastic as one of them telling me I'm 21.5. And then the, the, the scale directly next door on the same bit of infrastructure saying to me, I'm 17.8. How, wow, I mean that's that's big. That's over three kilos. Yeah. So so what what's happening there? And of course we didn't then investigate. They just waved it through because they knew it was wrong. Now had I have not done that, she was ready to have me start reading out my my long number and last three digits. So you know it's something I, I wanted to, to quickly get that in somewhere. I <laughs> yeah. didn't forget it then. Good 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 tip. It's kind of crazy that Southwest is they're like the
1: original low cost airline. But look how low cost airlines have changed. Over time. Southwest inspired Ryanair's Michael O'Leary yeah. to take Ryanair in the direction it is today. Could they be more different? I I really don't think so. It's, it's kind of crazy. I, I've just been, since you mentioned Virgin America, I just have to sing virgin american nose i was going to
0: play it and i decided (laughs) against it and now you're singing it it is so catchy it is it is it is it is some people i like the the like like this part yes we're gonna play it now here we go And your vest will inflate if your vest doesn't feel, honey, no big deal. <laughs>
1: okay, okay, this is this is good. I love it. It, it was People a good one. People don't like that, what? Why don't you like joy? This is. Do you think?
0: Do you think US in general have better safety videos than the rest of the world?
1: No, they don't. This this was a an especially good one, but I think Qantas and Air New Zealand do amazing jobs. They are super strong. Oh, Singapore Airlines safety video is so nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what are other good iconic safety videos that, especially ones that have songs, there are some very bad
0: ones that have songs. I what? liked Air, Air, I liked Air Canada's that was showing a lot of Canada prior to it just being changed. Now it was really peaceful and calm, and and obviously they have to do it in French and then English and French and then English and so on. But um, <laughs> it was really calm, and I just thought it was very appropriate on this kind of night flight, and it was really uh-huh. well filmed. What, I
1: uh, think the crew, the crew the crew like it when the video isn't very like imagine hearing that song. The virgin america song four times a day and you just associate it with work and you're like oh oman air has my one of my favorite safety videos it's Mm -hmm. it also showcases oman but it's it has this wonderful really relaxing vibe
0: as well are there any european ones that have a remotely good so many so many european airlines still have i mean of course british airways had that famous one with all the famous
1: oh yeah I liked that, Ro, that was Ro, kind Ro of the
0: comedy Atkinson, sketch was yeah that was that was not bad that was not bad so many European cars still do the manual safety demo which <laughs> to Virgin forever Virgin Atlantic they used to have a like a comic one I don't know if they do anymore yeah. but that one was kind of fun sometimes I wonder if the if the you know, the vital bits of info just get lost in production. Yeah. Passengers passengers are not absorbing any of it and they just think it's about the seatbelt. But there's so many small small things that when you evacuate the aircraft, make sure you take nothing with you. Like huge, huge impacts of of making sure that you actually leave everything behind. Making sure that high heeled shoes shouldn't should be taken off so that they don't tear the slide. Again, massive could put everyone at risk and so on. And some of this is lost in the Production value of these what have become. I mean, it's become a Hollywood category. Like I said, you've I got celebrities, actors, actresses. You've got everyone, you know, singing and dancing and and doing all sorts of crazy stuff uh, in the name of. The, the question century. is, which works best? Like, which which makes people pay
1: attention?
0: I think if you can hit a fine line between both, if you can keep it interesting but also deliver the message clearly, I respect that more than just something that I think is just an all singing, all dancing. Yeah. And with that, I want to wrap up by asking you a couple of quickfire questions on, on U.S. air travel, okay? Just to have a better understanding because you're far more in tune with it than, you know, given your, your, your origin. I know. I'm lucky to everything. fly in the U.S. often. Can you believe it? All the time, Yep. Yeah? I'm like... So lucky. <laughs> so I want to ask you, okay? So firstly, American or United? American or United.
1: I, I already said it, United, definitely.
0: Southwest or Spirit?
1: <laughs> Southwest. <laughs> it's so clear that you are not an American when you ask this. It's so funny. JFK or
0: Newark? JFK. <laughs> Newark. Mm-mm. Now, Dan, before we wrap up, there is one key area of US aviation that is absolutely unique to everywhere else in the world, and it is the secret airline, Janet. Huh, Janet, 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 the 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 U.S. carrier that goes to Area Fifty One and disappears off of radar, and they will come back at the end of the day. Wait, <laughs> you are joking? Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> are you joking, Janet? Jan. No, Janet. no, no. What is Janet? Janet? This is the fleet of seven thirty sevens that are based at Las Vegas, and they the car park fills up every morning. The aircraft leave Las Vegas they 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 track towards area 51 then they drop off of radar and they reappear on radar flying back from the direction of area 51 around 5 6 pm the planes land they are unmarked and the car park located next to the aircraft empties so the suggestion and it's widely understood in aviation that this airline code named janet is shuttling staff u.s military personnel and so on who are working on projects related and within Area 51, to and from Area 51 every day. And don't get me wrong, I'm kind of astounded that you haven't... Uh, I you are cannot in for an interesting believe night. It. You don't know this. It's all over YouTube. You're the YouTuber. I barely <laughs> go on YouTube. Stop saying I should know everything, because it's on YouTube. The, the, the but... listeners will completely
1: be on my side here. This is unbelievable. My mum knows about Janet. What? I think the reason I don't know about this, what, just in my defense, is that huh? I don't read about conspiracies. I don't read oh, about Oh, right. And I do. Secrets. I do. I read about conspiracies. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying what I've do, before. but I'm the last person to read about, oh, like, to be like, no, no, oh, no, no, no. This is what are the government secrets? This
0: you is know. a massive no, oh, I know it's a real US thing. U.S. aviation, yeah. It's, you know, when you fly to Vegas, you can see the Janet aircraft. These I've are, never are, been these to Vegas, that's why. 737s. Yeah. They, they are these old 737s, they are these old 737s. They've got a red strip cheat line across the fuselage. And as I say, they leave in the morning and they come back in the evening. And all we know is that they fly towards Area 51 and they drop off. It is fascinating. So it is, as I say, widely understood that that it is directly related to employees who are on the secret government projects of Area 51.
1: I have to watch a documentary about this. Wait, there are okay, tons. this is, yeah, there this is crazy. I was like, maybe I should post one. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. no,
0: I'm gonna watch. Oh my God, the opportunist YouTuber in you now decides. So sorry, sorry. So for the record, two minutes ago, he didn't know what Janet was, but 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 he's gonna finish this episode by saying, and and uh, be sure to check out my YouTube channel or a new video on Janet. <laughs> no, don't.
1: And you know, I am embarrassed, but the reason I'm not too embarrassed is that yeah. this has nothing to do with
0: passenger aviation, which is listen, listen. I, I'm what... not saying that I'm not saying you should know this because of your expertise in passenger aviation. I'm surprised it hasn't been suggested to you on YouTube Me too. for the last ten years because I get Janet videos daily and please don't take that clip out of context as if i was talking about a woman Chad is the code name of the of this fleet but it Mm. is astounding i urge all of you to go if you haven't already and check out this secret airline that is operating for the u.s government on Area 51 related, you know, maybe they're shuttling back the aliens and putting them on those flights. That woman was shouting out. <laughs> Full of about E.T. on a 737. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they are, you know, maybe they they are carrying classified documents that they go to Area 51 and dispose of. And Who knows? But that car park is the biggest teller. That, you know, the, the satellite images show that the car park fills up in the morning and empties in the evening, Monday to Friday, and the aircraft leave and return in between it's fascinating. That's wow. Janet, J-A-N-E-T. Okay, guys. Oh, my we God, will E-T. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Conspiracy theory. You heard it here first. We go. Okay. We go. You guys can go look at that on YouTube. I will go look, at, look it up on YouTube. You have an if, interesting night. <laughs> you know, while you're on YouTube, why don't you head over to Nonstop Dan? There's some pretty entertaining stuff there as well.
0: No, oh, I'm over <laughs> that channel. <laughs> you, you blocked it. <laughs> <laughs> Unsubscribe and block. No, no. <laughs> we support, I support the, the YouTube hustle, especially your, your videos. I mean, how often are you publishing these days? Still About
1: every 10 days. I have many channels now, so I have a yeah. vlog channel. We're posting this on YouTube. There's all screen dance, so there's all types of content there. You know, Alex, is. you're
0: the one who's a bit more hard- to reach a lot of what I do is is would be live, so you'd need to be watching or listening in the moment for for the broadcast on TV or on radio. You're right, but I'm always reachable-ish on social media, as long as it's not TikTok, of course, because I don't have it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. But with that. We hope you enjoyed this deeper dive into the unknown. It's all become a bit UFO related now. Into the unknowns <laughs> of the,
1: Should I of put the some US... weird
0: music here? That's like... <laughs> Definitely. So thank you for listening to this episode and joining us on this uh, look at the U.S. air travel market and all of the unknown associations with it, including Janet. Which Janet I
1: love how you turned our hour-long century. discussion and then three minutes of Janet into U.S. aviation and the I unknown tell you what, listen, listen
0: come, come for the episodes. Stay for the Janet. Stay for the conspiracies. Absolutely absolutely fascinating. It's not a conspiracy. Check it out. Okay. My name is Alex. Your name is? Uh, Janet. And this (laughs) was the On Air podcast.
1: Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.